Well, there we go. Good morning, everybody. All right. So as you guys probably all seen um, today, I'm kind of be talking about checking our hearts. Um, and we're going to be going through Mark 7 through part of it. Um, but the bottom line today is I kind of want to encourage each and every one of us that and remind us that our hearts matter to God. Um, what comes out of our hearts should simply reflect um, after our relationship with him. All right, let's see if I can actually do this. Oh, it's not even up. There we go. Oh, all right. My first question is to, to everyone here is what does a heart do? Why do we have this physical heart in, in our chest? Pumps the blood. Right? I, I, exactly. Looking at that functions, um, you know, it's important. It pumps the blood. Um, if that heart stops, we're in trouble. <laughs> we're in a lot of trouble. Right? The heart is an organ that pumps that blood throughout the entire body um, via the circular uh, uh, system, supplying that oxygen and nutrients to the tissues. Right? But if that heart is not able to supply that blood to the organs and the tissues, they die. Right? Your heart is that filter to which good things are pushed in and potentially harmful things are pushed out. So this keeps your whole body alive and ticking. We see with, with all the bones and muscles and organs in our body, it's so hard uh, for me to believe that this one tiny thing can keep everything moving. I know that doctors get it. I, 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 I understand, they understand exactly how it works. I don't. Um, they know how it operates. I don't really know. It just pumps the blood. But I am extremely in awe of this one thing. This one small part of our body that runs everything. So simply put, I want to remind you that God cares about your heart as well. So I am amazed that God created us the way that he did. A God who put this whole system together inside of us. So my question is, how is your heart? How is your heart today? I'm not talking about physically, is it beating? Well, yes, you're here. But I'm talking about how is your heart, your relationship with him? See, God cares about your heart. And there are a few passages, in, or actually there's many passages in God's word that addresses the heart. So here are just a few that we'll read together. Is Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Then Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. A couple more. John 14, verse 27 says, Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the word gives. Do not let your hearts... Be troubled and do not be afraid. You have Psalms 37, 4. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Last one here is Psalms 34, verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. We see, because the heart is the center of our lives, our well-being, we know that God cares about it. 
when we think of our heart, what we're really saying is that we, that God wants our whole self. He wants to be the center of who we are. He doesn't want just a part of us. He wants our entire, our whole self. So I ask you again, how is your heart? Is your heart troubled? Is your heart searching for someone that you just don't know yet? You don't have that, re- that relationship with him? Or maybe you do and you're just struggling right now. Think about that. How is your heart? You see Mark 7 uh, verses uh, 1 to, to 5. Jesus cares about your heart. <laughs> is this. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. There are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups, pots, copper vessels, and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? You see here, it's the Pharisees were already upset with Jesus, his life and who he was and what he was doing on earth. So this here was just an attempt to kind of pick at him, to stick it at him. Or pin something on him that could get him into trouble. They were not happy. You see, the hand washing that they were just talking about was purely ceremonial. You had to wash your hands to make them clean with water and with prayer. He had to make them clean spiritually. The ceremony here that, uh, that we just read um, does have a biblical reference in Exodus 30. Uh, verse 19, as well as 40, verse 12. However, it was mainly for the priests to wash before going into the tabernacle. The washing ceremonies they're talking about were simply traditional, not scriptural. The Pharisees were attempting to try and catch Jesus, um, catch him slipping, catch him doing something he shouldn't be doing. So they they were doing two different things. They were putting unfair expectations on the disciples. These disciples, they were simply just regular guys. They're fishermen, right? Just regular guys. Because they followed Jesus, the Pharisees were trying to um, kind of elevate them to a status that they themselves were not even at. Now, my question to you is, how many of you have had unfair expectations put onto you? How many of you have, have had someone say, hey, I expect you to do this, but you know nothing about that. But I expect you to complete it and do it well. I know I've had my fair share of times where I've had been given just unrealistic expectations for myself. Then I would beat myself and beat myself until I can't do it. So I know when you have the unfair uh, uh, expectations. It doesn't feel good. It hurts. It's frustrating. And honestly, one can 
believe that they were simply mad. They're angry that this was being put onto them. And then the second thing um, that Pharisees were attempting to catch Jesus on was playing the guilt game. The guilt is a powerful, powerful emotion to play with. And the Pharisees knew this. They're trying to place guilt upon the disciples. They're trying to say, um, tell them that they would feel like they're letting uh, Jesus down by not doing this. I don't know about you, but I've gone through so many situations where people played that guilt game and they won. I felt real bad. I'm sure it's happened to many of us that people have said, well, you know what? If you don't do it, you're just going to let this so-and-so down. If you don't do it, then you're a failure. Then it beats you down. You get frustrated and you get hurt. And when we feel guilty, we simply become ineffective. We can't let others um, make us feel guilty with any man-made things. We, we, we can't let our hearts be troubled by this. So again, how is your heart? Hearing the things that we're talking about, about you know, people putting unfair expectations on us or making us feel guilty, um, how does it make you feel? How is your heart right now? We need to check our heart regularly. We can't just go about our day and just, you know, hope that things are going to be okay and say, you know what? I'm having a really poor day, but I'm going to pretend and fake it. That whole saying, fake it till you make it. It's not the way to live. Not the way that God wants us to live. So we're going to continue on here. It says, and he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written? This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to to the tradition of men. See, Jesus called the Pharisees hypocrites. Why do you think Jesus was so firm and so direct at this? It was because Jesus was upset and done with leaders, with people being focused on man-made rituals and not on the things that simply come from God. See, the word hypocrite uh, means a person who puts on a false appearance of virtue or religion, or in other words, an actor. I'm sure we know quite a few good actors out there. See, Jesus was calling these Pharisees out because the image that they promoted was more important to them than, than what they actually were. They cared about what people thought about who they were. On the outside, the Pharisees tried to portray that they had great hearts full of life, that they, 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 they were beaten, but that They were better than they actually were. Where the reality, uh, however, was their hearts were weak, fragile, poor, and just simply foolish. See, Jesus quoted Isaiah saying, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So Jesus was so focused um, and went straight to the issue. Went right there and and that was the hearts of these men that they were so far from God. 
So if Jesus is looking at our hearts, would he say something similar to us? Would he say, well, they attend church, but their hearts are far from me. Well, they read their Bibles, but their hearts are far from me. They pray eloquently, but their hearts are far from me. Or maybe they contribute money. Maybe they give, but their hearts are far from me. Maybe they do ministry. They volunteer in a ministry or they, 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 they're a part of something, but their hearts are far from me. They love to sing, good or bad, but their hearts are far from me. And then they talk to others about Jesus, but their hearts are still far from me. So how is your heart? Get the, the hint, I'll be asking a lot, how is your heart? Because that's something we need to really check often is how is our heart? So we're going to continue on. It says, and he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is given to God. Then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. See, Jesus uses as example how the Pharisees' traditions dishonored God. Like the practice of not helping their parents um, with, with goods, with items they have that they had previously devoted to God. See, Corbin um, was a practice of declaring your possessions and your savings devoted to God. Therefore, unavailable to be used for any other purpose like this, like helping your parents. I'll give you an example. For example, if, if I had a lot of money, how is, how is loaded my, every time I pull my wallet out, money just flies all over the place, right? And then at the same time, my parents, my mom couldn't take care of herself. I could declare that simply my money and my possessions were devoted to God. So I could not be forced to take care of my, of my mom. So basically, sorry, mom. My hands are tied. Everything I have belongs to God. See, Corbin was designed as a tradition where parents couldn't take advantage of their children, but it simply, simply became a, a way for children to abandon their parents. So why is this important? We see that God commanded, not suggested, that we are to honor our mother and our father. Using Corbin which is a man-made tradition, went against God's clear command. In verse 14, it says, And he called the people to him again, and he said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. 
We see Jesus brought in the crowd to make a point. He wasn't trying to say that there are no defiling things that we can take into ourselves like um, alcohol or substance abuse, anything like that. That's not what he's talking about. In the context of this passage, Jesus made reference to food because that's the charge that has been put against him in front of everyone. So what comes out of you is a direct correlation to your heart. So how is your heart? Let's continue. Verse 17. And when he had entered, yeah, and when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, Deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile the person. See, Jesus addressed his disciples, don't you see? Don't you understand? What is simply not getting across to you? Simply put, how many times did Jesus have to shake and say, hey, you need to understand? Why aren't you taking this in? See, God is far more concerned with what comes out of us than what goes into us. The danger here is looking at the list and saying, well, I would never do that. That's the danger. The point Jesus was making was to not make us feel guilty. No, but it was to put kind of that, that final stamp on the conversation saying, this is it. That's what he was doing. In essence, Jesus was saying, I want your heart to reflect me. He's saying, I want your heart to honor me. I want your heart to love me. How is your heart? Is your heart reflecting him? Is your heart wanting to honor him? And is your heart wanting to love him? So many times we get hurt and we kind of pull away from, from God. Sometimes we get, we, we try and push ourselves into situations that kind of ends up hurting us more so than actually helping. Remember, the heart is everything. Like we talked about earlier, the heart is what pumps that blood. The heart is the central uh, part of your body. It controls our whole being. It's what keeps us moving. Jesus doesn't want just a part of you, like your lips. He wants the whole thing that keeps you alive. And out of that will reflect the things of God. So if your heart if your heart is pursuing Jesus and it's near to him, your outward life 
will reflect it. What comes out of you will not be defiled, but will be to glorify God in everything that you do. How is your heart? How is your heart? Is it still the central part of your being? I, for me, I know in, in high school, or not high school, in uh, college, when I went to Bible college, um, I had a really hard time with life as a whole. I had a really hard time, whereas, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen with me. And I remember getting this card underneath my door at my, at my, uh, at my dorm, and I still don't know where the card came from, but it had a verse on Proverbs 3, 5, that says, we kind of read it earlier, but it's, trust in the Lord God with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. I got that, ended up getting that tattooed on my arm as a constant reminder that I need to trust in him. And through everything that I do, I, I just need to worship him and, and know that he is directing my paths, that he is there with me, that I'm not alone, that whatever this person, what... God was feeding this person, put this card underneath my dorm door. This person doesn't know how much that impacted my life. But it did. It did immensely impact the way that I live my life. The stuff that I've gone through, I don't think I could do it without him. Actually, no, let me rephrase that. I know I couldn't do it without him. I'm sure there's some of us here that we've gone through stuff in our life that some of us don't even know that we could not do it without him. So how is your heart? Is your heart far from God? Do you worship in vain and live a life following just simply human rules? So a challenge, um, I want to give you a challenge this morning, and that's checking your heart. How is your heart? Where is your heart? How is your heart beating? Somebody in this room might be feeling kind of some conviction in your heart. I just want to read a couple more verses here. Psalms uh, 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. So how is your heart? Really, how is it? Give you an example. You go to a doctor's. If your heart, if you're having troubles with your heart, and I, I have, I've had my ECGs. I had every little thing done, right? But they'd always take this. They put it on, and you check your heart. And if you're there and you're talking, you have a heartbeat. Just saying. But this is what's going to help you to know, the doctors know what's going on. They can know if there's any irregularities. If there's anything that's going on that could cause issues down the road. So you go to the doctor. And they're going to test for the outcome of your visit. And there's going to be one of two things. First thing is, you're going to have some issues. And you're going to need to take care of those issues. The doctor will either prescribe you some medication. Um, or simply say, exercise, my case. Um, or something to get your heart functioning properly. That's the first thing. The second thing is, 
you're doing great. Just keep it up. There's nothing wrong. Don't notice anything. However, that being said, the doctor will still schedule another visit sometime down the road to see if things have changed. So if you're in the first group, there's, you have some issues. There's some things that need to get done uh, to your heart to keep your heart on track and functioning properly. So the first one is, you may need accountability. And that's find someone that you trust and you can confide in. The reason we have each other is to share each other's burdens. It's to help one another. Right? Getting your heart uh, right may mean that you actually have to talk to somebody. Have to get it off your chest. You struggle with something. What's the best thing to do? Go talk to somebody. Right? I know, I know for example, um, when it comes to youth and stuff, there's a lot uh, right now, pornography and everything is really big thing. But guess what? There's stuff that holds you accountable. Right? There's things to stop you from doing that. That's that accountability. So that's the first thing. You may need accountability. Find that someone that you can trust and confide in. And if you're, you've noticed you're having a hard time, someone might just come say, hey, I've, I've noticed you the last little bit, and I know something's not right. Let's chat. They might be a good person to talk to. The second one is, you may need God's word. If you want to draw your heart nearer to him, you need to simply spend more time in, in his word. So maybe that means following a, a reading plan. Maybe that's following a um, go through the Bible in a year group. Or maybe it's going on version on the Bible app and joining different groups to encourage and edify one another. And, and say, you know what, I'm going to go read through, read through the scriptures this week. I'm not going to miss out. Next one is you may need to spend more time in prayer. Prayer does the heart good. Prayer does the heart good. Prayer does, um, and God wants to spend time with you. And prayer is an amazing way uh, to focus your heart upon him. We saw that, we, we just sang a song saying, change our hearts, oh God. Change our hearts. Let us focus on who he is and what he wants for us. No matter what we struggle with, whatever we're going through, let's trust in him. Spend more time in prayer. It doesn't have to be an official time where you come to church and, okay, we're going in group and praying. No, you can say, hey, I'm having my coffee. I'm going to pray. Um, I'm in the shower. I'm going to pray. You know, I'm going shopping. I'm going to pray. Spend time in prayer. The more you talk to him, the more your heart's going to get focused on him. Next one is you may need to confess. Confessing your sins to God, the things that you know are coming out of you and are not God-honoring. We need to give them to God. Confess to him and be set free. I want to reiterate here is that you need to confess to Jesus. There's no special someone where you confess to. It's to him. 
Go to the cross. Confess to him what is going on in your life. It is hard to continue holding on to things, putting things on your shoulders, holding on. You're going to get weighed down till you can barely move and you are just broken. You're going to have to help someone to help lift you up, take those things off your shoulders. Well, the, guess, the best person for that is Jesus. He wants to take those things off your, off your chest, off your shoulders. Confess to him. Give them to God. See here, if you're in that second group, you're doing pretty good. So keep it up. Don't stop. Keep checking up on your heart. Keep asking those tough questions. Keep running after Jesus. We're all proud of you. And we want you to know it. However, the, the, the Christian life is not something um, you figure out. It's a constant pursuit, a journey. And that's what I'm saying. We need to continuously have checkups on our hearts. Physically, but spiritually. Where, how is your heart? Where are you at? Have you done a checkup recently? Do you have that accountability partner? Do you spend time in the word? Do you confess? Do you do these things that really get a check on where your heart is at? Or are you just simply going by the motions every Sunday or every day saying, you know what? Oh, it's nine o'clock. You should get up and get ready to go to church. Do you do it just because you have to or do it because you want to? How is your heart? So wherever you find yourself today, I really hope that you find your true hope in Jesus and that your heart will reflect it. And this last, this last verse here, as we close, is in John 16, verse 33. I said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. How many of you guys believe that? I know I do. Take heart. We know the end goal. We know what's going to happen. You are loved. Help your heart by digging and drawing closer to God. So whatever you're going through, it is not too big for him. He has overcome everything in your life. Christmas is a hard time. And I know quite a few people close to me that Christmas was hard for a couple years now. Take heart and give it to God. Take heart and give it to God. Trust in him. So I'll end with this. How is your heart? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for uh, today. We just thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, I just pray as...
as we close, Lord, that we just, throughout this week, we think about and reflect on how is our heart. Do we have, if someone here doesn't have someone to uh, hold them accountable, Lord, I pray you put someone in their life that they will. Lord, that the things that are hurting them, that are causing pain and heartache, or that they go and see the truth that you have overcome everything. That out of our heart, we reflect you. Lord, I just pray that hearts be changed for your glory. Lord, that we just draw closer to you. Lord, I just pray your hand be upon us today, upon our hearts and our minds. We thank you for who you are and what you're doing. In my name, amen.